Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Guess what? This is kind of cool. Look at what we're doing today. First of all, one of the things that I can't, I can't wait to talk to Julie Steelman today. I just, I am so conflicted today about this topic and about her fabulous show. I'm having a moment today and I'm just not 100% sure how to work it out. But you are today, you are going to meet someone that's all about richly abundant women. Yeah, it's the name of her show. Uh, and we're talking about becoming richly abundant women. Julie Steelman today. And why? Well, new host on our new channel. Whoa, the wealth channel. I'm telling you the wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H channel. When the vision hit me a bunch of years ago, I had this idea for what the channels were going to be. And out of the gate, I could list the channels. And one of them was going to be about money. And when I said that, people came back to me and said, oh, but it should really be, maybe it shouldn't be about money. Can you just talk more about And I said, well, we are going to talk more about it because you're going to hear today what Richly Abundant is about. But why can't it be about money, too? Why don't we want to talk about money? And as a matter of fact, I'm not going to get all political about this today, but I am going to say I don't quite understand what's happening with our view of people that have money. I'm just a little bit off about that, but I'm not going to have to think about it. I'm going to talk to the woman who's like money is her thing. We're going to talk with Julie Steelman about that and much more. And we've got cool stuff going on. And we're going to take your questions today because is there something odd about how we talk about ourselves and our dreams and our vision, you know, why we want to exceed and move forward and the millionaire mind and do all that. But then we look at other people that got money and we're saying, oh, dude, like, you know, wow, you've got a lot of money. Um, We're going to talk about that and a lot more. Julie knows what it's like. She doesn't like me to be in corporate. Yep. Be in a corporate world young age she knows what it's like to generate over a hundred million in advertising revenue right ready ready for that stay tuned for that story discovered 
one thing that all women possess, something unique. I will say that. But she is a financial visionary. She is supporting clients all over the world. She is helping women change their financial destiny. But more importantly, she is all about tapping into and accelerating that financial potential. That's what today is about. That's what her show is about. And so whether or not, you know, you know her for how she's out in the world and what she's done or being this amazing certified feminine power coach is a master's degree in spiritual psychology. And that is like even an oxymoron now. Right. But you know, not anymore <laughs> like spiritual psychology, but more than that, she's all about the money. Julie, it's great to have you. Dr. Pat, it is so amazing to be here with you. We've been, we've been, canoodling behind the scenes for a while so it's fun to actually you know come out in public and talk about what we've been talking about and I love that everybody wanted you to do a wealth channel but you weren't supposed to talk about money I didn't that's the problem that. I I know and I, do you think it's a problem I mean yes. I want your opinion it's huge it's one of the core beliefs, especially women and all people. There's this undertone and people have forgotten about it and it's hidden in the unconscious now because it's kind of so old that they've forgotten about it. But there's a, one of the biggest core beliefs is it's not okay to focus on talk about money. It's rude. It's awkward. You're greedy. You'll do something bad with it, right? Money's the root of all evil. Not supposed to talk about it. Not supposed to want it. Like, that's one of the things you and I've talked a lot about that we're going to change with my show is like, this is going to be a safe forum to talk about money because we're going to talk about money. Well, you know, I, I got this little, I got into a little tiff, let's call it over the weekend uh, with, a, with a, a couple of people. And I really thought about this a lot because, you know, I come from, look, you know me. Yeah. Talking about being a richly abundant woman today is so different than anybody from my past even imagines, right? Yes. They thought I died on the streets of New York being homeless, right? They're right. like, dude, is that like really you? Are you, are you Pat from Plainfield High School? <laughs> I'm not, right? Right. Or you were a shrew or a black widow or something like oh, yeah. either end of the spectrum, you couldn't Either win. end. Either, or you, yeah. you didn't really earn your way up to the top. That's right. How'd you she get it? Get that. You, yes. You know, you must have been like uh, uh, that movie that was just out, right? That <laughs> I love Shirley Theron. I love her. Yes. Um, but here's what, what I'm really curious about today. I want to talk to you about why money is your thing. But I am really conflicted. And I got into it a little bit over the weekend. And I was talking to my friends and they were, I, I, I'm not watching much of the politics. I stay on top of things because I'm invested in my country and I'm invested in what we can do for women, especially. Yeah. yeah. But I heard something fascinating to me. And I said to my friend, because they always at me about being from New York, they're like, ah, you know, da, 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 yeah, oh, yeah. You, New York spends, you know, 450 million on his campaign and it, and I turned to my friend and I said, well, I don't get you, you. I mean, why weren't we talking about this guy when he spent 80 million on 
what you want to talk about congressional seats and nobody beat him up and said, oh, no, don't do it. So here's the thing that I want to talk to you about. Women in general seem to have this reputation about not wanting the money to be part of their conversation. Now, that is a big stereotype there that I'm giving you. But this is the money thing. Why is money your thing? And where do you stand about the conversation about money and abundance with women? Okay, well, those are neither are small questions. <laughs> so thanks. Well, I'm not saying I'm not, the rest is for you to take it away. Yeah. Well, no, I love that you're asking that. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't set out for money to be my thing. It goes back to when I was seven years old, every Sunday night watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. And a little kid was like, you have to go to Africa before you die. And, you know, later coming to realize that was actually a direct instruction from the universe. And no, no joke here. And I knew looking at my family and considering my circumstances that as a woman who came out of the womb with her core value is freedom, that the only way I was going to get to go to Africa, given the context of my family, was if I had my own money and my own time. And that was when that decision was made. And it was all about, it was a right reason, right? It was all about, I have to go there before I die. It became that compelling. It was a soul calling. It really, no joke about this. And then all when I timeline my life, all of my decisions were oriented around that decision. How do I work smarter, not harder? You know, um, my father was all about, you get into corporate, you apprentice, you work your way up. You know, he was a depression baby. They had a different context for what work was for. And I went in and that was my whole orientation was, how do I get to financial freedom? How do I get to financial freedom? Because if I go to Africa, I don't want to go for a week. I want to go for a while. And, you know, then I chose a career in sales. And then that kept driving me. And then this mantra, just these mantras kept showing up. It was like, the more I make, the more I keep, the faster I get out of here. And it seemed like a pipe dream. You know, I didn't want to be in an environment where people were telling me what to do. And in December, they would decide if I got a four and a half percent raise. I wanted to be a cause and effect for my own income. And that's why it mattered to me because I didn't want any person, place or thing to have leverage over me. And that's the stand that I am about money. I'm unapologetic about being financially free. And I want to lift anybody and everybody else up who wants it for themselves. And no judgment if you don't. But I think the difference is, is that it became a point of sovereignty, meaning that it became about listening to my inner world and following my own inner guidance, regardless of what the world, society, family, the common assumptions about money, wealth, and prosperity being thrown at me. Well, if she's rich, then, you know, she slept with somebody or, you know, she's a gold digger or she's a shrew or somehow she got it in some way that was, you know, dishonorable, like all of that stuff, you know, it really comes from old patriarchy's assumptions about the Holy Mother, right? We can root it all back to that stuff. And that's a whole other conversation. We'll right. save that for an episode, right? Right. Save that because it's um, a good one though. It's a big deal. But, you know, it's hard for me to have this mixed feeling, right? Yeah. About what, you know, is 
some money okay, but this money, now let me tell you, some money is okay and some money is not. And let me tell you what I mean about this and maybe yeah. you can talk to it. Yeah. And Benny, Benny and Jessica, we're going to skip the break. Here's what I mean. Making money for selling women into slave trading. No, that is not a thing. That's, that's, that is not a good thing, but I got to tell you, it's Agreed. still money. Yes. But that's, that's yeah. not what we're talking about today. Yeah. We're talking about richly abundant women. I want to ask you, tell us what that means for you. Yeah. Tell me what that means, because I think only from your lips will we understand why this is important to embrace this side of ourselves. Yeah, I think, I think richly abundant women is really, it's a posture, it's a way of holding oneself. And what you just said about one of the tenets of that is that you're making money for the right reasons, right? They're honorable. They are furthering your well-being and they're furthering the well-being of the people who pay you for whatever it is they pay you for, right? And that there's honor in that and there's service in that, not servitude, and that it doesn't destroy someone else or something else in the process to the best of your ability, right? And I think that it's a way of knowing that we as women are entitled to this as a birthright and that there's new frameworks and a new consciousness and a new way of being and looking at money, wealth and prosperity because I believe that we're the change makers of the world. We're holding these optimal blueprints of this incredible world that we could mold and shape that we're being called to serve and without the currency of the time, which is money, it's actually a natural resource that's on the planet. It's energetic and it's physical. It's an entity. It's alive. It's the same as a plant or an animal or a human. It's a different species, right? And it's part of our ecosystem. And so if we are avoiding it, if we're judging it, we're unwilling to talk about it or look at it then I feel like we're staying stuck in a very old referenced system, which is the system we're actually pissed off about, right? And it's time to move into a newly referenced system. And the words richly abundant come from one of my spiritual influencers who this is his way about talking about it because it comes from a spiritual context of a sense of being full enough to come from overflow and of abundance which is a feeling tone of more than enough. And when we come from that perspective, we're not working from the assumptions and the old beliefs that as women, we're not valued, we're not worthy, we're not enough. And so that's where it comes from. And that whole sort of amalgam is the context for what richly abundant woman is. Well, I, you know, I love why we're talking about this for a lot of reasons, because richly abundant to even say, I am a richly abundant woman. I was, I was, uh, believe it or not, 16 years later, I still prepare for shows just saying, well, you know that because I work with you. Yeah. <laughs> I was back on your website again, and I want to, I want to invite everybody to go over to Julie's website, if you would. Uh, juliesteelman.com, S-T-E-E-L-M-A-N.com, Julie, J-U-L-I-E, juliesteelman.com. You're going to hear a lot about this, and we're going to talk about her show. But when you get there, 
you're going to find a lot of information, but a lot of questions. What would you do, right? Or what would that do for you for your financial security? And what Julie says, imagine if you could imagine this, generate sustainable cash flows, right? Set and sell lucrative pricing, build wealth and start enjoying your life more. She doesn't say if you are this person and live in this place or have this sort of education or blah, blah. It, it doesn't say that on her site because richly abundant women and then also richly abundant life by designing, right? You yeah. look at her website, you're going to see a whole lot of things. What this is about is one, you're going to hear about her story in a minute. But the other thing is... This is about having a vision for yourself that's followed up by action. And, you know, my friends are probably listening to this after my quiz that I gave <laughs> them the other day, where I said, why would you be so down on a candidate that's spending money he earned, yeah. but never said a word? when he spent that money for another election a couple of years ago. What is it about money that you're not liking? Because I wasn't interested in the candidate. I don't care what you think about the, the dude. I wanna know what is it about the money? Does he have too much money? Is like 61 billion too much money? Should he have less money? Is that something you don't think you're gonna get? So let's talk about this, right? When we see other people yeah. with money, yeah. something goes on inside of ourselves. And I want to talk with you about this because this is not a political statement for me. I just want to know about the money thing, what the deal is with the money thing. Because a lot of times we get asked, what is your fee, Julie? Let's start with that if we could. What is your fee for dot, 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 dot? For example, what's your fee for speaking? So about six months ago, I was asked, you know, what my fee is for speaking, right? And I don't have a frame of reference for that. All I know is this. When I used to work at the phone company, I hired people to come in and speak. And I remember, oh my gosh, 30 years ago, we brought somebody in from a college to speak and her fee was $25,000. So my brain says, why don't I just use that number? <laughs> <laughs> why don't I? You should have heard the reaction I got. And I just thought, huh, what happens if I actually take that feedback in? So talk about the struggling we have with talking about money. Because if you ask me what my fee is, then I tell you what my fee is. And right. then basically what you want to tell me is that I'm, not that I'm either not worth that fee or that that's, I mean, something about that. Let's talk about why as women, we struggle with this. Because I think a male counterpart would have been like, that's my fee, you don't like it? There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is such a big question. It's like to answer the last part of what you asked is, you know, it's easy for men to talk about money because they consider it a fact. So 
I speak, I'll provide value. You pay me $25,000. That's it. There's no judgment about it. There's no meaning making. There's no emotional attachment to it. That's a fact. That's what I charge. You don't want it. I'll find somebody else who will pay me that. Right. And women look at it because we've been so pushed down and set aside and so many impressions on our value not being equal or being less than. And then we already judge ourselves in that area. So it's like a double dip for us. So wow. we say things like, well, my fees, we'll do this. My fees, $25,000, right? Our voice goes up because we're awkward with it. Where <laughs> a guy would be like, it's 25 grand, dude. That's it, right? And so there's, we have judgment in ourselves. Plus expenses. My, plus my expen friend plus, speaks. Yeah. First yes. class seat and five-star luxury accommodations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think because we're still so apologetic about who we are and our value and our worth. What, what are we apologize? Let's, I, I, yeah. I know, I know you're, you and I have worked together. So, you know, you knew I would start to dig a little bit deeper yeah. here, but what are we apologizing for? Is this the handmaid's tale syndrome? I think, I mean, is, yeah. is it that we've been under thumb that we have to apologize when we step up and stand up? I think that there's been so lacking of support mm. women to women, especially women in society, women in their cultures, women in particular in their countries. And I think it's, we're, we're, Gary Zukov in Seed of the Soul writes about this. And I think this is brilliant. This book was published how many years ago? Yeah. And it's still applicable today. Yeah. That women's identification with money is based on the archetype of marriage. Whether they're married, whether they're single, whether they're widowed, whether they're gay, or whatever their circumstances are, there's this overarching belief system about that, that we somehow are supposed to fit into this role and then we'll be, we'll be acknowledged and rewarded, not paid, but acknowledged and rewarded in that role. And so there's this consciousness about still being in that role and that it ha we have to barter in some way. We have to give us something. We have to, you know, someone else is caretaking of us financially is really the belief system that's in there. And so I think we haven't come into our own power yet and we're missing that. And that's part of what I want this show to shift is women coming in and reclaiming their own financial power. You know, we, the Holy Mother was one of the wealthiest people and she was, you know, thought to be the Catholic church said she was something completely different and that's not true. And there's many, many, many role models, you know, across the board. We talked about Moses the other day, right? Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's inherent. And the thing that gets me is that if we really sat and look at these things, these are assumptions that have been imposed upon us. We actually haven't ever proved it to be true. We just decided to believe it. Yeah. And because we have, I want to talk about this when we come back, because we have decided to believe it, um, and I, I got to give my dad a lot of credit um, for a number Mine of things. Too. Yeah. But I got to give my dad. Now, my dad went from being a fairly uh, wealthy kind of dude to losing everything. And that's a whole nother story. But for my dad, 
you know, people would ask me, you know, when you talk to your dad, what, what do you know, what does your dad say? Because I have a really strange, I had a really a strange relationship with my dad. Do you know what the question was my dad would ask? The first question he would ask me every time I called. I'm telling you with that, like 100%, like not 99%, like 100. How much money are you making now? How, in a nice way. Patricia, how much money are you making now? Oh, that's so good. How, how, right? Why would my dad do that? And why didn't I mind answering that? We're going to take a short break when we come back. You're getting a sneak peek on what's to come from Julie Steelman. This is why we created a whelp channel and completely redesigned how it looks and it feels as we get ready to reveal our new technology here. Um, but what is it about us that this year, 2020, is the year and I'm going to say it, Julie, so you got to help me when we come back. Yeah. We got to show me the money in the cash flow. <laughs> in the cash flow. Not in, I'm not talking about like the growths, where you, the cash flow. And here's the question for Julie. Why is it when women entrepreneurs start a business, and I am so guilty of this, oh boy, we do not pay ourselves first. Let's take a short break. I, I've got to give all this to Julie. <laughs> Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Julie Steelman is in the house. We are taking your questions about the money and the wealth and being richly abundant. 1-800-930-2819. We'll be right back. Our angels and animals are always working for and around us. Darcy Pariso knew from an early age, she felt this incredible presence that was confirmed for her in a Reiki level one course. From then on, she has honed her skills and dedicated her talents to providing answers, inspiration, and tools for people to move past limiting blocks and past traumas to truly live a life of happiness. For more information about working with Darcy, visit DarcyPariso.com. Hey, how's it going? If it's stressful or just plain exhausting, New Light Living is here to ask, is this the way you want to live? Join me, your intuitive spiritual life coach and host, Erika Sullivan, every week on New Light Living. Discover the power of creative tools to start living every day as your ideal dream day. See your life in the new light. To learn more, visit newlightliving.com. Are you ready to transform your life and embrace magical experiences? Talking to Tannis with your host, Tannis McRae, is here to help you find your joy in life. Tune in live every first and third Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Let's awaken your experience and create the change necessary to take back your right to choose who you are. For more about Tannis, visit TalkingToTannis.com. Have you ever wondered what your pets think about? Do you know what your pets are saying to you? Dr. Monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you. Enhance the bond with your furry friends on Pets Talk with Pet Communicator, Dr. Monica, each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. 
Sanskrit is not just a language to be written and spoken, but it is a doorway to gaining understanding of how we experience life and truth. Conscious Confidence is a book written by Sanskrit scholar Sarah Main. The stories Sarah shares will take you on a journey of understanding how the power of this ancient language is not only still relevant, but can truly transform your everyday life. Drawing upon the deeper meanings behind the Sanskrit words for confidence, Sarah Main outlines principles for harnessing the fourfold energy of conscious confidence. Focusing, uniting, simplifying, and energizing. Not just a book, a life guide. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Inner Traditions, you can find all of those links on ConsciousConfidence.com. Yeah, everybody, welcome back, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Julie, I want to take a minute, first of all, tell everybody about the show. Tell them uh, also the best way to contact you, what is the best way for them to work with you, all of the above, even if folks don't even know where to start with this, because this is yeah. complex. Tell folks how they can do that. Yeah. So you can go to my website, juliesteelman.com. There's a lot of information on there. And this show, Richly Abundant Women, is really about and was birthed from all the clients that I've worked with around the world and the common themes that I see playing out that are costing them a fortune. These are brilliant entrepreneurial women with spiritual aspirations who are doing fantastic much needed work in the world, huge philanthropic goals. And a lot of them are stuck in what I call the making just enough money trap, even earning six and seven figures is, you know, they're not keeping enough. Their models aren't sustainable. They're, they don't have a cash flow problem, but they have a profit problem and they don't even know how to recognize that. And so I've spent, you know, my years in corporate and my life's work around the financial visioning that I do, helping these women really work out what is their right model for them to be running their business so that they're making a healthy profit, they get paid a CEO level salary, and they're also building wealth at the same time. Because, you know, if you're generating six and seven figures from a business, but you're not increasing your net worth, then we should be having a conversation because this is we're going to be the financial influencers of the future. That's the only way we're going to get to mold and shape the world we're really hungry to live in because currency, money is a natural resource down on the planet, right? It's what we're working with here. It's our means of exchange. It's a tool. And if we don't get our relationship right, we don't get our money houses in order as women and especially entrepreneurial women, right? You know, then we're just treading water. And at the end of the day, you know, Dr. Pat, there's a very inter interesting statistic that yeah. really validates this whole thing for me. It came from Aon, which is a financial, a global financial services firm out of London. And they, they published it a little less than a year ago, March, 2019. And it says that, and it was of U.S. women, actually, that 70% of U.S. women who want to retire at the age of 67 will find themselves facing a serious savings shortfall. So let's unpack that. What does that mean? Is that means that we're gonna be working into our 80s and our 90s until the day we die just to pay the bills if we don't change our financial habits today. 
And so that's a big motivator for the work that I do in the world and what the show is about and why this matters to me so much. I'm tired of seeing brilliant women with these incredible products and services they're putting out into the world and they're burnt out and they're unhappy and they don't have financial security. And you know, there, it goes even further, right? There's philanthropy at stake, but there's also our choices and our freedom at stake. Like if you don't like our government or you don't like your current government, or you don't like the circumstances or the situation that you're in, or you don't want to barter with your body, your life, your energy, your brain, so that you're financially secure, then you need to come into your own about money, wealth, and prosperity. And that's becoming a richly abundant woman. One of the things I want, I want to make sure that we talk about here today is that a lot of times folks have a really hard sense of putting a dollar amount on something. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a minute. I know in yeah. your show, you're going to really, you're going to tackle a lot of things, but we're going to do a whole about- show on healthy profit pricing. <laughs> well, I mean, we're talking about powerfully shifting entrepreneurial women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is about shifting from yearning to powerfully earning. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Um, what is it that we can say to women today mm-hmm. that are on the verge of either undervaluing their worth in some contractual arrangement or evaluating their worth, which may mean raising their prices. Yeah. These two things are very, very hard. What is your experience in this and what have you found? You know, my my experience is, you know, one of the best lessons I got being in corporate America was learning to negotiate. And they actually took, they actually, I was actually paid to go take this big um, negotiation training. And I think the company paid something like $200,000 for like five of us to go to this big negotiation training. They run very expensive advertising in all the magazines. I won't mention their name, but anyway, they're one of the predominant companies that do this. And the key takeaway after five days with these people and with guys and with the scenarios they were giving us is that somebody, the people on opposite sides of the desk both of them have unknown variables. They don't want the other person to know both. And so women typically step up to the negotiation table thinking that the other party has more leverage. And that's not true. We actually don't know what's at stake for both parties totally because that's not going to be revealed, right? And I think what makes the difference is not that you need to know what the other party has at stake, is that you need to take a stand for what you will do and what you won't do. And that's the beginning of having your own financial sovereignty, meaning have your own boundaries and your own domain about what's worth it to you and what isn't. And believing that if you say no to somebody, that that opens the door to to the yes that's coming. And that was a mentality that I held the entire time I was in corporate of getting pounded by male sales counterparts. You can't close deals as big as me. You can't close them as fast as me. Like I'm fighting just to keep my job. And I had to do twice the work and do twice the numbers they did just to keep my job, you know, and keep everybody out of my hair. 
And it's like, I had to take a stand that I, I had something to say and that what I was doing was so valuable that when I found the right people, they would see that. And my one of those mantras that popped up was if they knew what I knew. And so we have to take up that kind of position. And as you and I've talked about, too many women have turned their dial to, I wasn't born into wealth. I'm not good with money. So being a richly abundant woman is like, wah, 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 right? Versus turning your dial to what if it's possible to be a richly abundant woman and how would I show up if that were true? And so part of this whole conversation is about stop showing up in the way people are telling you you should and expecting you to, which is why there's still a pay gap in corporate America between men and women. There's women in HR departments that see this all day long. I'm like, who's not standing up for this? Are you agreeing to a lower salary? You know, then you're part of the problem. I'm sorry, I'm gonna call it like it is. I'm gonna be really fierce about this. It's like, we have to stop taking this stuff. We have to stop acting like it and stop agreeing with the ways that parameters and frameworks are set up out in the world that perpetuate the myth that we're worth less, that we do less. Actually, women are some of the best salespeople because we're relationship driven and we're natural multitaskers. So, you know, I think it all comes from an inner, you know, an inner ferocity of being unwilling to in any way, shape or form agree to or buy off on any more of this stuff, you know, about, and, the, and there are going to be people in the world that don't like it. There's people in the world that project their crap up on crap up on me all the time. And you know what? It isn't going to make me change what my goals are and that my desire to be financially free was, was powerful. And if you don't want to be in my world because of that, or that makes you feel jealous, you know, my love to you, you know, and I'm sorry for you because we could actually have a really powerful conversation about how you can have it too. Yeah. You know, I, I think that for me and you and I were talking about this the other day, um, I had an aha, um, I had an awakening on money and through, you know, not through the normal kind of, I think, event. And I shared this with you the other day. Yeah. You know, I was taking a course on financial prosperity and, you know, the book, somebody handed me a book, Dynamic Laws of Prosperity by Catherine Ponder, right? And I got the book and I thought, oh, this is so hokey. This is not for real. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I started to, and I thought, you know, a year later, I thought, I wonder why I felt like that. Well, the reason I felt like that is the book is filled with stories, but she also talks about the fact that this idea of being spiritual and rich is really, and, and poor is really a myth. And she goes on to talk about Moses and Abraham and other people that we, we hold yeah. out there and we know about. And she has these folks from all different cultures and all different spiritual philosophies. But beyond that, that's a general broad discussion about money. We're talking about what we can do to help women today, especially. Yeah. Because we now know that, you know, Patricia Arquette declaring in an awards exception on the Oscars a bunch of years ago made it a thing. And I think if she didn't make it a thing for equal pay, it wouldn't have been a thing. But even with that, on a day-to-day -day basis, aren't we still struggling 
for asking for that 10 cent raise or something. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're still struggling because this is the whole thing is that there's what I call the laws of the land, which are beliefs that are out in society. Money's the root of all evil. Women aren't good with money. A woman's work is less than a man's in value. And um, a woman has to do more to prove herself. You know, there's all these assumptions and belief systems out in society and our family and the way money was handled and modeled, you know, by our mom or our dad or what was their relationship with it. And we take all that in, right? And then as women, on top of that, we make a judgment. So let's say it's one of the beliefs, it's not okay to talk about money, not okay to focus on money, really common underbelly, yeah. not okay to focus on money. And so if I'm a businesswoman and I want to grow my business, right? But it's not okay to focus on money, a competing intention gets set up and it can't ever break through financially. Because now on one hand, I'm saying there's this hidden belief running that it's not okay to focus on money. And as a businesswoman, I mean, a business is a money-making entity. Okay. Can we just get that out of the way already? That's what it is. Otherwise it's a charity Call it a charity. <laughs> call it like a Jan Van Zandt says, call a thing a thing. <laughs> if it's a hobby, call it a hobby. If it's a charity, call it a charity. If it's a business, it's a money-making entity. Can we just get over it already? Right. And so if we have a business, we have a money generating entity called the business and we have this hidden belief, whatever it is, let's just use the example of it's not okay to focus on money. How in the hell do you expect to break through financially? Right. Because those two things are collapsing and canceling each other out. They're occupying the same space. And if, if we could, I, I'll show you a quick story. A friend yeah, of please mine, do. she was very stuck in this. And she called me sobbing one day and, and she's like, you know, I'm, I make a lot of money per client, but I hate the enrollment cycle. I hate selling, but that's a part of how my business generates money, but I hate it. Something's wrong here. Help me out. And I said, well, first of all, what is it that's important to you? And she started telling me her mission and her purpose. And when, when she, women go through her program, how their life is different and it means everything to her. Oh. And I, and, and I said to her, what did someone say to you as a child about money? And she said, my mom told me it wasn't okay to talk about money. I go, great. That's one of those law of the land things, right? And then, um, I don't know why Siri thought I was talking to her, but I wasn't. And then um, I said, what did you make that mean about you? And she goes, well, if I talk about money, then I'm bad and wrong. So as women, there's this law, there's these judgment quote laws of the land out there in society about beliefs and assumptions about money. And we take those in and then we, we do something men don't do. We judge it. We make it mean something about us. And so now she's got this thing running called it's not, it's rude to talk about money. And if I do, I'm bad and wrong. Ah. And so I have a business and every time I go to sell something, I'm bad and wrong because I'm talking about money, Right. Well, yeah, because right. women like are you not can't supposed win. to close. Right. That word. Right. The idea of closing. Let's talk about that now because I know well, that this is Can I wrap this one up really quickly? Oh, please, please. So so we talked about that and we went into it. And what had happened is her focus became on money making and she lost sight of her vision. 
So we tuned back into her vision, which is what's going to have the forward momentum and leadership. And then we reframed her whole situation to, you know, when I talk about money for the right reasons, which is to help my clients get what they want, I'm forwarding my mission and that is aligned with my spiritual purpose. And so that's a quick story. There was some work done in there, but she texted me a week later, she closed $250,000 in sales within a week and it was new business. And let's talk about the bridge that you built for her to do that though. Yeah. You know, Somebody's. I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and they were talking about how they they do almost everything through email, and they yeah. were wondering, like, I don't know why I'm not closing what I should. And I'm like, well, do you ever pick up the phone? <laughs> and they're like, well, no, everybody does everything through email. And I said, well, do you pick up the phone? Yeah. Well, only when we do like the call, we get a first call and then maybe a review. I said, you don't pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, you were just on my mind. Can you talk about that? Because I think it is all part of a money issue. And if you've got a money issue about picking up the phone and calling a potential client, doesn't the energy of that affect your bottom line? <laughs> I think if you're doing it that way, you're, it's probably costing you a fortune. Because especially if you're selling a high ticket item, the thing that people don't understand, they think that it's a sales problem and potentially it is, but it's a lack of awareness about how buyers buy and what trips the brain into getting out a credit card and saying yes. And there's a specific way of doing that. And it's why I wrote a book about it called The Effortless Yes is about understanding how people think when they're making a buying decision. And if you think that a one dimensional email is gonna address that, you can't. And you can write me an email, you can cut and paste and send you the same email and you and I are not gonna interpret it the same. Right. And we're not gonna arrive at our decision in the same way. And you'll never know how to navigate that unless you're speaking to someone in person. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because I think one of the things we've learned is that there is a level of fear or something that holds people back, just picking up the phone, you know, and yeah. saying to somebody, Hey, you know, I know you're doing whatever you're doing, but I was just thinking about you and I can't work. I can't wait to work with you, but something like that. There's something about not wanting to actually call people, even if it's leaving a message, but isn't that part of what we're talking about today and the work that you do is to create that shift for, for women. Yeah. See all these things that you're bringing up are symptoms of the same problem, which is you're not owning, embracing your value and your worth as though it, your life mattered to it. As though if like when people ask me what I do and what I'm for, and I'm in an enrollment conversation, you know, about how we can shift someone's business model or their pricing or get them profitable or developing wealth from their business is like, I know, I know that that will change your life. It's up to you to be willing to meet me. There's nothing compromised here in my belief system about what I know is possible. And so we're not 
we need to show richly abundant women show up fully in their value and their worth. They don't apologize for it. They don't discount around it. They don't, they don't slide it under the rug and they don't view themselves as bragging. They view themselves as offering a contribution. Yeah. And it's yeah. coming from a place of, I can accept a no as easily as I can accept a yes. And if I'm running, I'm worried about being rejected, then I'm not owning my value enough or I wouldn't be concerned with that. Yeah. I, I think I've gotten so many no's in my life in a lot in a large oh, way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've been fired from every job I've ever had. So, I mean, I say that people, Linda's like, don't tell anybody about that. And I'm like, well, it's true. Well, I've been fired not? from every job. <laughs> and she said, is that really true? And I said, well, think about it. I got fired from the fish cleaning job at age 17. I got fired from the deli job. Um, I ultimately went to work for, and then I got fired from a retail job. And then I went to work for the phone company. And yeah, it took 24 and a half years for me, right? But still that's true. And then, and then I worked for a consulting firm, but there was a common thread in all of those things. But it took me the exploration that you're talking about yeah. and what you do to help women to see the common thread. See, because if you just look at that, your self-worth would take such a hit, right? Because that's the way it looks. But I now know today, Julie, why I got fired. I got fired because I refused to do something that went yes. against my value system on every yeah. one of those jobs. But on paper, it looks like, dang, this girl can't hold a job. I know, right? <laughs> if you went down that road, I mean, by the time I left, I knew I was leaving corporate America, I got offered $100,000 flat out, no commitment, nothing, no sales numbers around it, $100,000 to stay one more quarter, one more quarter. And I was like, hmm. I was like, oh, you're leaving at the end of the year. And you know, if I leave, this territory won't make its number. And you need to make your number to get the bonus because you're going to quit in December. I figured it out. And I called him on it. You know what I got on the other end of the phone? What? Up. I was like, oh, I'm so right. But <laughs> that's what I'm saying is I got to a place in my career where it was like they were offering me money to stay. Unconditional money for me to stay. And it's like every woman, introverted, extroverted, somewhere yeah. in the middle, doesn't matter what your cultural upbringing is. I've watched women in Africa become very philanthropic and thrive yep. entrepreneurially yep. within their own contexts. Yep. Is like every woman has this ability to do that. You don't have to blow up your world. You don't have to blow up all your relationships. Yeah. But what, what's missing in our world today is that we're referencing all of our value from a very outdated system that is no longer applicable at the time that we have all the permissions and the opportunities to rise to our fullest. And that means we need to reference from ourselves and we need to take a stand for ourselves and our value and our worth. And then all these little symptoms will go away. Oh. Well, I got to tell you, Julie, this was a powerful show. I want to ask you, and let's take a minute again and share yeah. your website, but I want to talk with you a little bit, if you don't mind sharing what your vision is for your show. You know, my, my vision, huh, sorry, I get all excited. <laughs> my website is juliesteelman.com. 
And there's a lot of valuable resources and content on there. And my hope and vision for the show is that we shift this dialogue around money and have a very open conversation about women, wealth, and entrepreneurship, and how women can start being extremely powerful financially in their businesses based on an honor code and an honor system and their spiritual aspirations, making lots of money for the right reasons. Because every woman that I know got into entrepreneurship because she wanted freedom, but she also has a big, bold, philanthropic goal, whatever that is. It might be family related. It might be personal. Mine is rhinos, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And whatever reason, it doesn't matter. But if this is an area, if women really want to come into their full power, this is one of the areas that's still deeply rooted in shadows, in martyrdom, and in old belief systems that are no longer applicable. And we got to break out of this stuff if we want to get ahead. And that's my vision for the show is really holding a context of possibility. And because I think that we can develop a new economy because of that. I think so too. And I just want to say to the message I got, the book that we're talking about uh, that Julie wrote is The Effortless Yes, Demystifying the Selling. I just got a message. People want you to, what's the name of the book and where do I get it? The Effortless Yes. You can get it on Amazon. And um, it's about demystifying the selling process, discovering your signature selling archetype and loaded with lots of scripts that convert and work. Yeah. My favorite chapter in it is selling as easy as breathing. It's like almost my favorite chapter in a lot of books that I've read on this. It's got to be my number one chapter. Julie, thank you so much for this last question. Personal message. What would you like to leave us with today? You know, I'd like to leave you with that. This is the year of 2020. This is the year of big sight. This is the year of inner sight. And so time to move into your own inner belief system and reauthor your money story and have a new experience. I love it. And you're going to hear a lot from Julie about this. And please, please don't hesit hesitate to contact her, go to the website. Uh, and there are many ways to work with her. So let's make sure we get this done this year. Julie Steelman, everybody. I'm Dr. Pat. Julie, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Benny, thank you. Jessica, thank you. And to all of you out there, make this year your effortless yes. We'll see you next time.